Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. For the better part of a century, a Brentwood neighborhood was home to generations of middle-class African-American families. It was known as the Howard Evans Place neighborhood. Now the property is home to the Promenade Shopping Center, anchored by Target and other well-known retailers. The Evans Place neighborhood may be gone, but the memory of it remains. We're looking back on the community with Beth Miller, a local writer who has researched the Evans Place neighborhood. Ed Wright is a lifelong Brentwood resident and former alderman. Olivet Thompson is also a former resident. Thank you all so much for being with us. Great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Happy New Year. A belated Happy New Year to you. Beth, let me start with you. Um, Give us just some sense of the history of of this neighborhood. It'll have to be the Cliff Notes version because it's a long history, but so people know what we're talking about. Okay. Starting in about 1907, um, a lot of African Americans came up through the Great Migration to St. Louis looking for work. Um, and the Evans Howard Fire Brick Company was located um, in what is now Hanley Industrial Court, and they offered jobs and houses to these workers. Um, at that time, the houses were called two-by-twos. It was like a duplex, and there was two rooms on each side, no electricity, no plumbing, no basement. Um, and to think about what the workers were facing in the South, that they would leave where they were to come up and live in a tiny room with no plumbing and electricity to work in the dirtiest jobs in the fire and brick factory, that meant more to them than, than what they had had in the South. So this was really a good opportunity for them. Um, so the neighborhood developed, more people came up, they had families, more homes were built. Um, there were also quite a few Italian immigrants in the neighborhood at that time who also worked at the brickyard. They had better jobs than the African-Americans, but um, there were a lot of um, immigrants in that neighborhood. A lot of boarding houses, these tiny little homes were used as boarding houses as well. And some of them had 10 to 14 people in them. Mm-hmm. So um, times were very different 100 years ago. And then as time went on, World War II came, um, some more houses were built, and African-American families were moving in. Um, Like Olivet's family, her husband purchased a home there, and it was one of the few places in St. Louis where African-Americans could buy new homes, um, especially in St. Louis County. But it did start as a mixed neighborhood. It did. Mm -hmm. It was mostly immigrants and and, um, migrants from the South. Olivet, uh, what is is your strongest memory of, uh, of that neighborhood? The neighbors, the people that live there, not only in our neighborhood, but in the Brentwood neighborhood at large. Uh, we were all, um, I'd say, use the word together, but that's not really the best word. We, we worked together, we lived together, and uh, there, at times there might have been a little prejudice, but basically uh, my feelings about living there was my neighbors, how neighborly were. We were like one big family, you know, something happened, we were all in it together. And then uh, the larger neighborhood also. Ed Wright's uh, father, of course, was mayor at one point, and such a lovely man, and uh, I worked for him to get him elected and several other elections. I served uh, on the Youth Commission and also the Zoning and Planning Commission. And, And at the school, there were just Ed's here, there again, Ed's mother. She just kind of welcomed me and and other people with open arms, and uh, she was a very uh, intricate part of my feelings about 
the larger neighborhood, and she and I have worked together in Cub Scouts and the usual school things. So, Was that unusual at that time for people to react to you and, and interact with you that way? Yes. Yes. Very. It, 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 uh, it didn't happen in other places then? No. Uh, Webster Grove, for instance, which my grandparents lived on Allison and Webster Grove for years and years. There was always that separation mm -hmm. between the blacks and the whites. And uh, during election time or maybe uh, when the larger community needed something or wanted something from the African-Americans, uh, they would come and interact. But it just was never uh, the feeling of Brentwood. So that drew the community closer together, obviously, that, uh, that kind of societal situation. Absolutely. Okay. Ed, let me turn to you uh, and, and get your take, the kind of the outsider looking in uh, to this neighborhood. Well, I want to thank Olivet for her nice comments about my father and mother, and I also want to say thank you for working when I ran for Alderman and <laughs> helped me to get elected. Um, Brentwood is a, a wonderful community. I still live there today and taught at the high school, my alma mater. Um, like, like all small towns, it, it has its problems and it has its differences. But I think as Coach Titus put in, in Beth's paper, the high school brought all the kids together, whether they were playing sports or in the choir or uh, doing whatever. And the community, Brentwood community still today, I think feels like one community. It, it's sad that the reality was that there was one place in Brentwood where African-American families lived. And uh, that was pretty, pretty clear at that time. And uh, now, of course, it's much more integrated. But um, it, it was a, a wonderful neighborhood. And I was fortunate enough to be an alderman for four years representing Ward 4, which included um, Audubon Park, huge apartment complex, mm -hmm. a few... Um, residential streets on this side, on the west side of Brentwood, and then the Evans Place area. And when I ran, I know, I told my dad I was thinking of running for Alderman. He said, here's a list. And he gave me a list of the leaders in Evans Place, and I knew a lot of the families anyway. But I talked with Olivet and, and Ed Holt and Ann Dice and, and people like that. And, Mr. Uh, Minor, don't leave really him helped. out. <laughs> I will not leave Mr. Minor out because Forrest Minor was an Alderman he and his wife were wonderful, wonderful people, and Mr. Minor was kind of my mentor, and uh, uh, African American gentleman who who served uh, many years and uh, has passed on now. But uh, there were so many great families in that area, and uh, it was a great neighborhood. And it's been 20 years or so since that uh, was was broken up for. For, for the development. Yeah. Beth, yes. let me come back to you. What, what drew you to this story, to this neighborhood, to do uh, considerable research on it? I live in Brentwood also, and I've been there about 20 years, and I wanted to do my final research project for my master's degree on Brentwood, some portion of it. And about 20 years ago, the Historical Society published a book, one of the images in America, sort of picture books about Brentwood, and I was looking through it one day, and I saw a photograph of some of the houses in Howard Evans' place, and it's difficult to describe, but I had a feeling come over me that said, this, I need to tell this story. And it was very strong, and so I contacted some people. I contacted Dan Fitzgerald, who's the president of the Historical Society, and I said, I have a really strong feeling that I need to tell this story. Can you help me get started? And um, 
I started talking to some of my neighbors. You know, I'm only about six blocks from where Howard Evans was, and I asked my neighbors, do you remember what was in the mm-hmm. on the piece of land before Target was there? Mm-hmm. And people would say, no, I don't, I don't remember what was there. And, I, and so I would say, well, do you realize that for 90 years there was an African-American community there? And they said, no, we had no idea. And I thought, this needs to be fixed because we're a very small community, Everybody pretty much knows everybody, and it was just a real tragedy to me that our current Brentwood residents don't remember that that community was there. The, this is not a terribly unusual story, and right. I think of Meacham Park, and mm-hmm. I think of the Ville, and I think of there was a, a an enclave in Clayton, mm-hmm. the same kind right. of situation that ultimately just mm-hmm. kind of disappeared, mm-hmm. disappeared. So it's... It, it's a fairly typical story for it this is. For, for this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, our time is is somewhat limited, so I want to move to what was going on when, in fact, the uh, developers decided to move in, which meant that the people were going to have to move out. Olivet, uh, what was going through the mind of the neighborhood, the collective mind of the neighborhood, when it was determined that uh, it was going to be no more? Very sad. Uh, we, you know, wondered about where we were going to go and uh, if we were going to be able, that was the main thing, if we were going to be able to even get enough money for our property to buy another home. That was, I think, the foremost. And then the next thing was, of course, breaking up our family. (laughs) And which, as I said, you know, we, like like most families, you know, we we had some disagreements and some up and down. It wasn't all uh, roses, but Basically, at the human level, we were we were one. We were a family. How were you advised that this was going to happen, or that uh, the powers that be wanted it to happen? Well, we had gone through before the interbelt coming through there, yeah. and uh, so that was really, I think, the, the the first the first thing, and we got past that. And then when this came along, uh, this seemed a little bit more serious but of course there again we were still worried about uh you know our our being able to buy a home and where we were going to go and so forth and so on but anyway the larger community uh came through uh, there again and really helped us to uh we were cohesive and to stick together and we had demands and so forth and so on and so finally uh when it came to the point where it was revealed how much they were going to pay us, that it would be enough for us to buy other homes and move on, then uh, it was like the writing on the wall. So that was how it happened. And uh, I've cried many a tears along with most of my other neighbors at some point uh, of breaking up the neighborhood. But it was just in the writing on the wall, you know, in the future. So we had no other choice. Uh, progress comes at a price. Exactly. Right. And what was the political atmosphere like? Well, I, as this was go- as, as this was going on, this I, that was job. actually a part of my life when I was not living in Brentwood, believe it or not. But I, I was somewhat familiar with it, and I know that a lot of the people in Brentwood were seeing the value, the benefits of a commercial development, and um, income to the city, and eventually to the school district, and, and everything. 
there was some controversy over the TIF financing and the effect on the school district and everything. If I, if I could say, I think for those of us who have worked and our families have worked in, in the civil rights movement for years and years, it was very frustrating. People always have stereotypes about black neighborhoods. And this was a neighborhood that was a wonderful model neighborhood, no crime, two-parent families, everybody helping each other out, wonderfully kept homes, everything that people were saying, this is what we want black neighborhoods to be like. And that's what it was, and it was taken away. And I think that's the frustration, because you see that in other neighborhoods and other situations. And, and I, I realize that it was kind of writing on the wall because of the location. Mm -hmm. But you, you kind of say, you know, they did everything that you wanted them to do, and then you took the homes away. That was a frustration, I think, for a lot of people. You say the homes were taken away, and I understand and appreciate what you're saying there, but by the same token, um, the people were not kicked out. They were, I mean, it was a negotiation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and uh, I'm one Ed, but the other Ed, Ed Holt couldn't be here today because he had the flu, yeah. and he was one of the leaders in that, mm -hmm. that whole time in the neighborhood <clears throat> to make sure people got a fair value for their homes. Well, we want to continue this discussion. We will in a moment. I have to take a break now. We're talking about the Evans Place neighborhood, the former neighborhood in Brentwood. Uh, the the uh, real estate now is occupied by Target and a number of other re retailers. The Evans Place neighborhood is no more. Uh, my guests in studio are Beth Miller, who has done a lot of research on the neighborhood, Ed Wright, a lifelong Brentwood resident, former alderman, and Olivet Thompson, who was a former resident of that neighborhood. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Welcome back as we continue our conversation about the Evans Place neighborhood in Brentwood with Beth Miller, a local writer, Ed Wright, a lifelong Brentwood resident, and Olivet Thompson, a former resident of Evans Place. Beth, let me come back to you. Uh, we've kind of interchanged, we talked about this off the air, interchanged <coughs> the name of this neighborhood mm -hmm. from Howard Evans Place to Evans Place. Mm -hmm. Why is there, what is the distinction, or is there one between the two? There is. Um, the neighborhood was first started as Howard Place, and it was three or four blocks, and that was the small homes that the brickyard set up for the workers. And about the, um, around 1920 or 1920s, a builder named Tegatoff came in and expanded the neighborhood and started building more homes for families. And, and that's, so it's, it can be hyphenated as Evans Howard Place, which was also the name as the Fire Brick Company, mm -hmm. and then later it became Evans Place. And how many people during its heyday, how many people lived there? I think there were about 800 at the heyday. That sound right to you, Olivet? Yes, I guess. Yeah. One other thing, Beth, I wanted to clear up with you. Olivet had mentioned uh, the the uh, the uh, 170 yes. story, the Interbelt story. Yes. It stops right there. Mm -hmm. Is it because of Evans Place being there that it did not continue? So there was a lot of discussion about that starting in the late 70s, and the highway department tried to bring that through several times. And not only did the residents of Howard Evans Place complain, residents as far south as, as far south as the highway department was going to take the Interbelt complained and said, no, we're not going to take, we're not going to let you do this. I mean, it would have essentially taken out half of Brentwood. Um, 
and a lot of other residents. So I, I think that there was so much opposition at that time. Every time they tried it, I think it was about a 10-year period where they kept coming back and said, we still want to do this. Everyone loudly said, no, you're not going to do this. You know, I remember quite clearly that Gene McNary, when he was county executive, wanted it to send it through Webster Groves along Elm Avenue and destroy mm-hmm. all those uh, properties there, and that uh, that never happened either. Mm-hmm. I'll bet the community must have uh, had a very, very strong resolve and cohesiveness to stop something like that. I mean, there were some, there were some uh, pretty big players at, at work on this project. Absolutely, and um, Forrest Minor that uh, Ed mentioned. Um, he was really our leader, actually, in the black community. And he had very strong resolve. And uh, he was just the type of man took didn't, didn't take no for an answer. Mm. Um, but anyway, and along with uh, the larger communities, Ed said, you know, his family uh, and other, other people um, whose children had gone to school with the kids, you know, this, they were interactive. Cause We'd come home a lot of time. We'd have three or four kids sitting on our porch, white, black, you know. So the the younger generation were very, they were very cohesive. And then, I guess you know, their parents just kind of followed their lead, and uh, so it it was it was a joint effort. What Ed? What were the politicians thinking? Who who wanted this to go through? I, I assume you have some sense of that. Well. As an alderman, I was also at that time president of the Brentwood Chamber of Commerce, uh-huh. and we got the businesses in Brentwood to also um, band together with the residents in the community. And uh, we knew that it was going to be a tough fight because people wanted that quick access to go mm-hmm. all the way down in South County. But but when you talk about people's homes, and you, with the extension you were talking about, like Beth said, really dividing Brentwood totally in half as it would have done Webster. And so uh, we were able to get local uh, politicians, business, and residents together on that. And there was some cohesiveness there, too, obviously, if uh, this didn't happen. Very much. Uh, And I have to say again that all parts of the Brentwood community have always been very proud to have had the Evans Place as part of the Brentwood community. And there was that really good feeling and uh, in, her, in your report, you know, what Coach Titus talks about, the way the, the kids work together on the high school teams and things like that, it was, it's just a, a wonderful feeling that we had. C- can you just elaborate on that for us, Beth? Sure. What was that all about? Um, coach Titus was the track coach, and was he football, football also? Yes. At Brentwood High School for 25-plus years. And he, I talked with him, and I asked him about... As a coach, how did students interact? How did the white and black students interact? And he said there was never any issues. He never saw any issues in all of the years that he was there. Um, He used to have to take the football team to other parts of the state to play football games, and they would go to some places that weren't integrated yet, and he took them to see a movie, and they had to all sit in the balcony. The whole team and the coaches sat in the balcony because he said, I'm not going to have my black players sit in the balcony by themselves. And... Um, you know, he just talked about what a wonderful environment it was. And I talked with quite a few um, students who had gone through Brentwood High School, different ages, and they said the same thing. They said, we all got along at school. Mm-hmm. We, we never had any problems. We all got along. Olivet, was there a sense in the neighborhood when this was uh, happening, when the, when the uh, displacement process was beginning, that, that there was a racial component to it, that the neighborhood was targeted for any reason because African Americans lived there? 
Um, I can speak for myself and some of my neighbors. I, I don't think there there really was. I mean, we knew, uh, you know, that this central area was uh, very very commercial and. Actually, at some point, I think in the back of our minds anyway, we were hoping that it wouldn't, but we felt that it would come through. But once, you know, that we thought about thought about it in that way, the next thing was we, we were just worried about getting enough money to buy another home. So once they came through and, and let us know uh, uh, about the money factor and... Uh, you know, because I sent the contract copy to my son, who was attorney, and he uh, called me. He said, Mom, if I were you and Dad, uh, I would just break my wrist signing this. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't so. there a, an, another element here was that this, at about the same time, uh, properties to, uh, to make way for the Galleria were also um, being sold. They were, they were being bought out. Uh, and that what you folks in, in Evans Place wanted was an equal amount, a, 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 uh, the same, the same the kind commercial of prices. prices yeah. yeah, yeah, the prices mm -hmm. that the people uh, in Richmond Heights, I guess it's Richmond mm -hmm. Heights, uh, were getting for their property. You wanted mm -hmm. the same thing for yours. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That must have been quite a fight. Well, I think, you know, um, um, who, who was the company? Joe Johnson at Weston Group. Yeah, I, I think they they uh, came to the realization, but that they weren't fooling with just any you know any group of people. We you know we had lawyers and 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 uh, people who knew things you know who knew what was going on and the value and all this. So they weren't just dealing with people who were illiterate illiterate or didn't know you know of the price uh, of their land and and what you know what it would become and so forth. So in dealing with that and also the larger community coming in, they they kind of saw the handwriting on the wall. So they had to offer us, give us some kind of reason to really, 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 really sell. And that's what they did. They gave us three times the amount of money that, you know, that first would offer. have gotten. Yeah. That were first off. Yes. Were, were, Ed, were the homes comparable uh, to those in, in, in Richmond Heights where the Galleria now sits comparable to Evans Place? I think parts of them there were um, Rally House and some of those buildings are now and, and uh, the Boulevard. I think some of those houses were, were comparable to what was in Evans Place. And we also in Brentwood, right where Brentwood Square is, there were two streets that were basically white uh, residents that were also taken uh, as Brentwood Square uh, expanded. So I think they went through the same process. Mm -hmm. What's what, what? What was the uh, price of housing housing in the in those days? Do you remember all of that? I mean, what uh, what would be an average, for instance? Would you guess? Mm -hmm. Maybe Ed, you would know. Do you have any idea? I, what I don't know. I, I hesitate to to guess, but. Um, like I said, whatever whatever it was at that particular time, you know, we got pretty much three times the amount yeah. of money that uh, that 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 we would have gotten. The, the appraised value, I think, or yeah. something. Mm -hmm. yeah. They were valued. Most of the homes were valued. And this was 1997 prices, so they were valued at 35 to 40 thousand dollars. That's what I would guess. So yeah. most families mm -hmm. ended up getting around 150 thousand dollars. Where did the people go? Did they just disperse? Was it diaspora? Yes, actually. Um, but mostly they're, um, so some stayed in Brentwood. Um, there are a few stayed in Brentwood. Olivet's in Olivet. Um, <laughs> there are some in U-City um, and some in North County. 
I think the majority uh, went to North mm -hmm. County. North. Quite a few mm -hmm. went to yeah. North County because the prices there right. were. I mean, they could could buy a house and then have money left over. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, all of that is my, it's my impression that uh, many of the people who lived in that neighborhood, even though we're going back 20 years or so now, still remain very much in touch. Well, those of us that are left, there's so many, uh, you know, who are gone because, uh, you know, we had quite a mi mixture of people there. A lot of them were older people yeah. when it happened, so sure. quite a few of them are gone. And but those of us that are left, we, we do. Yeah. But we wind up at funerals more than anything, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. And, and what would have happened had uh, had the people there n not negotiated this settlement and not gotten the prices they wanted for these homes? I think it would have been a, a, a very sad time when it might have created some conflicts between yeah. the community, the business community, and those who saw the benefits of this retail center and those who wanted to stay. And there was... One woman who stayed to the very end, I believe, right behind the uh, Thomas White building. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I, I would drive down there and see that one house. And, and it, was a, it turned out to be a good financial deal for the people. But I'm, I'm afraid it would have been a sad time for us. You agree, Alvin? Yes. We have a limited time left. We have a caller and a call that we can't take. But uh, he said there's a memorial in the area to the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yes. And, uh, did the citizens do that, or did the developer, Beth? There's a boulder at the um, rear entrance to the property um, and a bench, and the plaque on the boulder says, um, they, in, in memory of the Howard Evans Place community, um, the city bought that boulder and the plaque, and the Historical Society contributed to the wording. Oh, that, uh, do you shop at the promenade? Yes. <laughs> I love Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe that's where your, your former home used to be. Who knows? Uh, right around the corner from Trader Joe's, actually. What, and and if the minute we have left, what kind of thoughts go through your mind as you walk on that property now so heavily commercialized? Well, when it first happened, every time I would pass there, I would feel sad and I even put some tears. But now uh, I don't really think about it. Mm -mm. Uh, they say the time heals all wounds, right? Yes, and where we moved, my husband and I and family, we were we were very happy because my husband's gone now, but uh, we we were very happy. Sounds like a most interesting place indeed, an interesting community. I want to thank you all so much for being with us. Beth Miller, thank you and for all the work you've done on this. Ed Wright, thank you for being with us. Great to see you. Olivet Thompson, good to see you as well for telling us about the Evans Place neighborhood. This is St. Louis on the Air and St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.